0: Wes Craven and Peter Locke have found their location for the new film they wish to film, The Hills of Eyes. They stand there looking over this vista in the Mojave Desert in Victorville, California. It's hot. It's summer. It's uh, dangerous. But they're happy. They're happy because that day they have found where they plan to film their movie in what is, in fairness, a fairly inhospitable climate. The problem starts for them in that brief moment when they put the key back in the car, turn it, and it doesn't start. And they realise that the horrors that they plan to inflict on their characters could easily, in part at least, be inflicted on themselves. On the fourth try, the car starts, and luckily, there were no cannibal family ready in the wings, ready to pounce.
1: They wanted to see something different, but something different saw them first. The hills have eyes. Mister, don't take your family back in that area. The silver has been gone for 40 years now. There's nothing back in there but animals. A lot. The old creep told you not to get off the road. What began as a vacation ended as a nightmare. be now. Ah! the hell was that? do like some She thought she knew what the world was all about. But nothing prepared her for this. The hills have eyes. are you go with my baby. Yeah, let away, Dick. <laughs> a mother fighting for her child loses it in the worst possible way. I hit him with a tire iron and I split his face wide open. That was a bad mistake. <laughs> I'll come back for you later, girlie. Why are you doing this? The story of an American family who lost everything except the will to survive. Murdered, raped, burned, but not beaten. The hills have eyes. The story of one family's refusal to die. I'm gonna get those animals. The hills have eyes. A night of terror. A day of vengeance where no one was spared. No one. Kill a babe! Kill me! They fought back. Anything was a weapon. The family dog to the family car. It's working! the hills have eyes the most shocking terrifying film you will ever see by Wes Craven writer and director of the last house on the left the hills have eyes the lucky ones died first
0: the hills have eyes from a 1977 American horror film written, directed, and edited by Wes Craven, as I've said, produced by Peter Locke, is, I think last time I called it a hillbilly horror. It's a mixture of uh, genres, I suppose. At its heart, it touches on revenge, on um, the concepts of um, siege movie, road movie, and western. And it's about people who hit a point where they clearly have uh, gone way beyond what they ever planned or wanted to to be, and in, in that moment um, become far or something something else, driven to a uh, very strong urges and violent revenge by a family who uh, themselves are very much. Uh, on the very edges of of society. Wes Craven had no interest in making another horror film. After 1972's The Last House on the Left, a film we covered back in season one of the Virgin Nasty podcast, he um, saw the horror genre as being uh, quite constrained, to be fair. Uh, But no matter what he wanted, uh, he couldn't find producers that were willing to give him the opportunity to finance something that was different Craven started um making money where he could but in the end friend and producer Peter Locke turned to him and said listen i want to make a horror exploitation film i want you to do it and um i think it'd be great let's do something in the desert Craven was reluctant, but in the end, money dictated that you know this was probably the best thing he could do. So originally Craven's had an idea for doing something around uh, Hansel and Gretel, kind of like an adult version. But um, in the end, um, Locke wanted something quite more uh, vicious and uh, gritty, something more in the vein of Last House on the left. However, this idea of Hansel and Gretel does somehow fit into this. These are, after all, Innocents who um, find themselves lost, in this case family, who find themselves trapped in the desert after going off uh, off the, tr- the beaten track. However, Craven wanted something certainly more sophisticated than Last House on the Left, notorious a film that at one point potentially could have even been a sort of porno a film, a roughy porno. Um, before finally becoming, you know, a straight-up horror film. And um, in his looking for ideas, he seems and reads up about the uh, the legend of uh, Shawnee Bean, a 48-person clan in Scotland who were grim. <laughs> they were very grim. They were very violent. And when they got caught, society... Um, really went to town on them. So they were murdered. they murdered people, and they were cannibals, and they killed over a thousand people, apparently. But uh, when they were caught, they were tortured, burned, hanged, and quartered. And, you know, at that point, what he was interested in was this idea between, you know, obviously the cannibalistic clan, the Shawnee Bean clan, being vicious and violent and awful, but also society, society's response being you know not much better, equally violent as well. So originally the film was going to be called um, Blood Relations, the Sun Wars set in New Jersey and set in the Future uh, like a, a, a near future in 1984. However, Locke was in uh, was work. Locke's girlfriend was performing in Vegas. And um, Locke sent thinks to himself, well, listen, it would be cheaper (laughs) if we keep the cast small and we film it in a few locations, striking locations and that. And the idea came to film it in the desert, hence the reason why they started scouting locations in the middle of nowhere in the summer in California and that kind of rather uh, terrifying uh, view. The end story is quite simple a family and a camper van with some dogs uh, traveling over to Hollywood. They, uh, they tried to think they're clever and go a different way than the, the main roads stop and end up in a very isolated location. Speaking to, um, a petrol station person, their car and trailer seemingly is it, it, it crashes. And they are trapped in the middle of nowhere and become prey for a cannibalistic family. That cannibalistic family uh, most notably contains Michael Berryman, who, uh, who, who got the role of Pluto, a fan of horror films. He was keen to take part, and you know used his physicality. His, you know He's a big bloke with uh, interesting features. Based on a number of birth defects, and uh, was able to to, to, to really, really go to town, and indeed became becomes the, the face of the film, you know, the sales point of the film. So um, Janice Blythe gets the part of Ruby because she is uh, keen to do it, likes the idea, and uh, is a, a fast runner. Locke gets a role, a brief cameo, you're gonna classic keep the producer happy stuff I think, where he is oft quickly on screen. And the ca- and the, the, the cast of um certainly there's a, you know there's there's a lot of um, there's there's because of its low budget nature, there's a lot of people in there that you may have seen in other exploitation films, but probably most notably is D Wallace. Uh, who obviously is most famously known as the mother in E.T., uh, although, you know, has uh, appeared in, in many uh, horror films through the years as well. So the film was shot for, for, for what? For Craven at the time, appeared to be a big budget, um, you know, something in the region of um, $350,000 to $700,000. And... Um, you know, he says notoriously that Last House on the Left was filmed for ninety thousand dollars. So this felt, you know, luxurious in comparison. But the, uh, the 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 crew and the cast were a little bit more suspicious. That it seemed very small uh, in terms of a career. It did not feel like a big production. The movie. Um, was filmed on 16mm, which is notable when you watch it blown up on a big screen, but understandable when you consider how fast and easy to film. And um, it was, uh, the, the the temperatures and the work was hard. Um, you know, they used non-union crew, and the film actors were paid minimum wage. And the shot was unpleasant. Very hot in the summer, in the, very hot in the um during the, during the day for up to 49 degrees and then we drop to minus one in the in the evening. so uh, so yeah very um, very taxing, I suppose to the point that um, Michael Berryman as well needs to be looked after because he could, he, he didn't sweat <laughs> and um, therefore you know there's a high risk that you know he could very safely injure himself. Although the film is, it feels the film feels almost like we're going to talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It feels almost like Texas Chainsaw Massacre adjacent. So you know, um, Gunnar Hansen was offered a role but turned it down, uh, and Robert Burns, who's the production designer for Chainsaw, said it's production designer for this film. So there are actually Texas Chainsaw Massacre props in the Cannibal Lair, which obviously is far more cavey and uh, and and that kind of thing. The movie. Has a very you know this a similar kind of sun bleached feel that Chainsaw Massacre has as well, but I think you know there's far more. It's it you know it, it matches the the desert location. You know it's it has it's a movie with sharp rocks and edges. It feels angular and like you know if you put your hand on something it will cut you. Um, those kind of hot. Heart- scary hot dangerous days were all there and all part of the story the movie um was actually uh originally well was called the hills of eyes because that was the one that tested best by mgm um and there you go um and the film was released to reasonable acclaim so um It did okay. It is well enough um, in terms of making a a healthy profit before apparently being squeezed out by Smokey and the Bandit, which kind of filled the kinds of cinemas that a movie like this would do well in. So it kind of got pushed out. Um, Reviews at the time were fairly mixed, Kind of said that the film had um uh you know almost kind of dismissive of the film's um, violence and kind of calling the plot fairly, you know obvious I suppose that uh, revenge movies do tend to follow <laughs> a certain to I would say personally I think everything in the the actual assault itself the 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 you know, when the, you know, you come the, initially the film does start in a, in a, almost classic, you know, let pro, it's pre slasher, slash away, you know, going to the, uh, stopping off at the gas station and them going, you know, stay on the path, that kind of thing, keep out of trouble, keep away from the cannibal family. Um, and that, and that starts a conversation. And then it is kind of, and the characters, um, crash and then you know that the, it's clear that they are being you know uh, slowly kind of circled like prey all that seems fairly standard stuff but then when it goes it really goes you know the attack on the father the um the violence in the trailer and it's kind of it escalates and becomes incredibly tense and thrilling and frightening and vicious. And then from there, the violence that kind of, that comes afterwards is, is um, far more, you know, a classic, what do we become? You know, what, what, what kind of, you know, what does, what kind of violence does a man, man become in the end? So we do see a mixture of, of certain cinematic tropes, Personally, what I would argue, though, is that the the film has far more to say than a lot of those kind of revenge films. It's not just, you know, ah, but maybe we are the real animals kind of stuff. It's it's a lot more gritty than that. And um, because it is hot and sweaty and cold as well and sharp, there's a realism that permeates the movie that you don't normally see certainly at this point in horror, it's the, you know, when we've spoken about how Night of the Living Dead saw, you know, documentary reality bleed into the horror arena in 1968. This feels a a natural progression of what that really means in a story. Not necessarily documentary, although a lot of it is filmed in handheld on 16, which gives it an additional grain and weight and um, that makes it more believable. But the film's shocks are shocking. And its violence is, um, slap in the face kind of thing. This is not the world of Edgar Allan Poe, you know, the Corman stuff. It isn't even the world that we see a year later with Dawn of the Dead, you know, a far more cartoon reality. This is a far grittier version of horror. And what that works the best is, of course, that it is believable and it is vicious and it is grounded. And in the end, the film, you know, although there's talk of moderate box office, in the end, the film made $25 million. So, you know, certainly while it potentially could have done better, it would, you know, it's not seen as a bomb, certainly. I think why it works so well as well is certain themes. Obviously, you know, it it is almost... It does not say one family is better or worse than the other. What it says almost is that we're all... You know, animals in a little bit of the world, uh, and we're small. And these um, these fights and these these this, this viciousness is 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 intrinsic in in the human nature. What's notable at times in the film is when they are you know stuck, the family is stuck in the middle of, of nowhere. Uh, how small the camera makes them look on the on the big screen, and how grainy and tiny. The 16 mil can make them look so insignificant against the, the viciousness of the nature that they've found themselves in. You can argue, of course, that there are additional themes to this. Um, these are ultimately middle class people fighting against people who have got nothing in a in a in a place where. The environment and their their battle, the 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 fighting, has stripped away everything, and there's nothing left, and it's just that kind of primal fear and feeling, you know, that drives them on. So the film does have a sequel, Part Two, which uh, leans heavily on um, flashbacks in an attempt to pad its run timeout, uh, also made by Craven. That was made in 1985. Uh, it also has a remake and a sequel to that remake. So Alexandria Aja uh, made um, in 2006, won that feels very similar, in fairness. It just cranks everything up quite a lot. use a CG. A lot of that grittiness, which kind of feels almost intrinsic to the story, is kind of stripped away and kind of a little bit Hollywood gloss. And was replaced instead by just going way over there, yeah, completely extreme, everything's more vicious. And, um, you know, I suppose that benefits for modern audiences, but kind of loses something in terms of Of the film as well, I think. Uh, And then the sequel is more like Aliens, you know. It's just like, let's throw loads of people at it (laughs) with guns. And it all kicks off. I suppose... It's fair to say that, you know... It it sits very, very clearly as... A cult classic. Um, And of course, when we spoke about Evil Dead... uh, Sam Raimi references Hills of Eyes... In, in Evil Dead by um, by ripping the poster of, of Hills of Eyes, a reference itself to the poster of J- of Spielberg Jaws being ripped in in the Hills of Eyes, as in, you know, you, you've not seen anything until you've seen this. You know, that's, fu- that's not fucking scary horror. This is the real deal. And then Craven responded, of course, by having Nancy Thompson fall asleep while watching The Evil Dead. And that kind of continues with references to each other as they go along in their careers, which was which is lovely as well. So the film itself, certainly a cult classic, uh, a vicious kind of tone to it. The film has a kind of notorious um censorship history um so when it was originally put to the m p a a um it was cut down, and these shots are have lost a bit of, loss, of it, are lost now effectively there's no sign of a you know an uncut cut version ever coming down, and they include just more violence effectively, so those shots were cut down, so um the kidnap of the baby was cut was trimmed significantly. Fred being killed by Jupiter is cut back. And um, some of the cannibalism was also edited down as well. So the film was cut further when it was released in the UK. So this is the R-rated version, saying that effectively the theatrical version being the version now. So then that included shots of an ankle being mauled and um, a stabbing. Near the end of the film was also removed uh, were cut down at least and this cut version is the preset that was seized in uh, in 1981 on Jaguar VHS so likely the reason why it potentially didn't become a video nasty is that it was already did have a BBFC certificate and that was the version that was released so it was you know legitimate as it were um it was okay but it got released it got it was trimmed yet further in uh, 1987 for a palace vhs release where um with the gun is put in brenda's mouth that was slightly cut soon for sexualized violence this version is effectively the the best available now in terms of the, the release is the theatrical version which got uh, be released on anchor bay and dvd in the uk uh, and now is available on arrow on blu-ray on their uh, you know, as uncut as it ever will be, shall we say? Um, because, as we said, this, these these shots have been lost. The uh, the ones from the that the MPAA insisted on. So that's available on Arrow, uh, released on Blu-ray in, um, in the, a couple of years ago, and is available on their streaming service as well. So, and it, it's gorgeous, man. It's a 4K scan. It's it as good as that film is ever going to look and a, and, a, and a quality movie as well. So uh, definitely worth a look if you haven't watched it recently. And the last time you watched it, maybe you watched it on VHS, um, like a lot and a lot of people may have done. So it would be worth, I would recommend revisiting it and kind of seeing a lot more in terms of what Craven was doing on the screen. You know, it it, it, it feels very different than it did when you watched it on VHS back in the day, it, it, it's, it's a considerably different movie now, I would argue, uh, particularly with the scam, but also just the you can feel the scale and the heat and the size of where they are. Um, so when you're in a confined space, it's incredibly claustrophobic. And then you have these big, like black nighttime vistas where you cut, it's all inky black and goes on seemingly for miles. And then like when, obviously when you get closer to the family, the, the cannibal family, uh, you can see, kind of see, like you know, the, the, the rocks, the size, the scale. It's, it's, it, it, I say, it's a very, it's a very different baby, and it uh,
1: definitely worth a watch. What began as a vacation ended as a nightmare. Can I come, The story of an American family who lost everything except the will to survive. The hills have eyes.
0: So, if you want to get a hold of me, please do. My email address is videonassiespodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at orange or go to the website slash or videonassyspodcast.com where all the podcasts are housed. Housed? Homed. Next week we discuss Zombie Lake. It's something I've trailed tried for a bit in terms of like mentioning it. Uh, so, it's Jean Rolland. So, we'll go into the life and times of Jean Rolland, which I'm looking forward to doing. Till then, take care. I'll speak to you soon.
1: Goodbye. I have never seen a
0: video, Nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. how can you judge on a video? Mistake, oh, have never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.